Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Maya Eileen Talks. Today we will talk about Andromeda and my guest today is Tommy of Cannon. But first a note of the host of this podcast. I would appreciate it if you like this video, subscribe to the channel and share it with your friends and family. Andromeda, formerly titled James Roddenberry's Andromeda, is a space opera television series based on unused material by Gene Roddenberry, developed by Robert Ewart Wolf and produced by Roddenberry's widow, Major Barrett. It stars Kevin Sorbo as High Guard Captain Dylan Hunt. Thousands of years in the future, the system Commonwealth is a constitutional monarchy based in a distant star system called Tarn Ferdera. Mankind is a part of the Commonwealth. It spans the Milky Way, Triangulum and Andromedia. With Tarn Ferdera near its core, the Commonwealth is at war with the Margog, a predatory humanoid species with bat-like faces that is dedicated to war. Peace talks led the Commonwealth to cede a key world to the Margok, that of the Nietzscheans. In response, the Nietzscheans secretly attempted to usurp control of the Commonwealth. Dylan Hunt is the captain of the Commonwealth starship Andromedia Ascendant. His computer is a powerful artificial intelligence which can emit a holographic interface persona in the form of a woman called Andromeda or Romy. Caught by surprise in the first engagement of the Nietzschean uprising, the crew evacuates the Andromeda with Hunt aboard. Is caught at the edge of the event horizon of a black hole, freezing boat in time. 303 years later, in CY10087, approximately 5167 AD, the crew of the salvage ship Eureka Morrow locates the ship. The system Commonwealth has fallen and the era known as the Long Night has begun. Hunt recruits the Selfish crew to join him in an attempt to restore the system's Commonwealth and rekindle the light of civilization. The Selfish crew comprise its leader, Becca Valentine, a con artist and expert pilot, a super genius engineer named Seamus Zelensky Harper, rescued from Nietzschean enslaved earth by Becca, who can plug his mind directly into the computer system. Transgemini, mysterious alien of unknown origin whose innocent demeanor hides a 
surprisingly also and Raf Bem, a Margab who had adopted a non-violent Taoism-like religion called the Way. Raf being a short for referent. The salvage group beneficiary brings along an insurance policy in the form of a Nishian mercenary named Tir Anasi. So guys, for the first episode in this new year, I have invited Tommy again. Hello, Tommy. Hello, Maya Aline. What's up? Oh, you know, busy, busy, busy at the end of the year and with my name change, etc. It's a hell of a busy time. Still got to get used to the name change. I'm telling you, still got to do it. Yeah, me too. I, I, uh... I uh, last week I was talking with somebody and I used my old name in one of the centers and I was thinking, what the hell? That's my old name, <laughs> not my real name. <laughs> I don't know that lady. <laughs> I don't know that lady. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's for everyone. It's a still uh, yeah, it's still have to get used to. But it, they say all say it's an. Uh, it's a easier name than Orinda. I know in America there is a, a little town that's called Orinda. And that was one of my problems. A, a lot of people think I have been named after that. And um, I got a lot of people from Orinda in my podcast to ask, Oh, I'm dead and that Bill. Can I help you? And I was thinking, dude, my name is Orinda, not the town Orinda. <laughs> oh, that was so annoying. And you know, you know the story behind my name, Orinda. So, uh, it's yeah, it's really, really. It's still, I still have to get used to it, and I'm starting the legal processes of, yeah, changing my uh, driving license and my passport, etc., etc. So. Oh. I have to say, uh, although I'm trying to get used to it, I, I still dig the name Maya Eileen. That sounds smooth. You know? Yes, I and and you know it's in that way. I'm so I'm going to uh, explain to you now. Sorry, guys, this is a bit off track, but okay, doesn't matter. <laughs> we still have to catch up too. <laughs> um. So my full name is Maya Eileen Gwendolyn Perry. Now Perry is of course. The surname of my husband mm-hmm. and Maya and Gwendolyn are two names of my ancestors oh, and so those ancestors are originally from Ireland and they were uh, shamans and priests of the tribe so that I'm being a shaman and I really basically walk around the whole world with my shamanism if you if you look back also at my dna test my ancestors dna test every country i am of i practice shamanism in that culture mm-hmm. and so but that is that's what they always say because i had for a long time just Maya as my first name and then they say no you have Maya Eileen and there are a lot of people nowadays still that st- who I still have to get used to is that 
they think Maya is just Maya Eileen is uh, two names, and they it is one name for and but that's fine. And you know I I I uh, Google what the the name meaning is of Maya and Eileen and Gwendolyn and if you see it on a spiritual term it's very me in a way mm. so i'm very proud to bear the name maya eileen <laughs> <laughs> so now you know that story too <laughs> you know what now so you have told me two of the coolest stories of how you have gotten both of your names and when now i'm thinking to myself because the thought process that I put into naming my children was basically, oh, that's what he looks like when he came out. That's the name. You look like a Christopher. All right. That's what your name is. So you didn't tell me stories about, you know, uh, places in Africa and, you know, place, you know, ancestors. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, that is so awesome. I just named them what I thought they looked like. <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, don't forget that, Tommy. That is also a good thing. Yeah, maybe it can be a total uh, name that is just regular, but you have put the name with your gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And not many people doing that. Okay, that's one way to look at it. Thank you for making me feel about it. See, how, see that's why we're so awesome together. And mm -hmm. if you still want to know what the names are meaning spiritual way and just in general just google it um yeah well andromeda the first andromeda. thing yeah first thing i like to get to is it is really really something specific of gene roddenberry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we all know Gene Roddenberry was the genius of Star Trek. But, um, and I read on Wikipedia, and I was told that in the intro um, team, that it he made Andromeda and Earth Final Conflict. That is also an episode that I will do, Earth Final Conflict. Um those are the series that was uh, Gene Roddenberry's uh, awful creations. Like he couldn't put that in Star Trek, so he did that. Uh, he he had those two uh, series as uh, I don't want to say backup, but for his other ideas, similar to mm -hmm. Star Trek. So. Um, cool. Yeah, what do you want to say about that? I, I feel exactly the same way. Um, he also did a uh, another episode that wasn't science fiction oriented. I think it was like a cop show, a, like yeah. a detective show that was a lot earlier than that. But as far as the science fiction shows go, yeah, I think that he kind of um, uh, wanted to branch off, uh, you know, into areas that was different than Star Trek. Oh, he's talking about Gene Roddenberry using those as a as a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. During the whole series, we you can see um, a lot of influence of Star Trek in it, and 
and uh, but I do think, and I know what uh, what you think about, is that um, how far are we going into seasons? And I especially saw that already uh, after season two, but more in season three and four, is that it becomes very dark and. It reminds me a bit of Deep Space Nine, but also um, it was uh, it it was more military assigned than and we we spoke this exactly the same example with uh, Sequest. Yes, yes, I think that um, for some reason people seem to find, and when I say people, a lot of uh, viewers. They seem to find it more exciting when there's um, when there's conflict like that, you know, instead of the conflict of um, interpersonal things, you know, like with dealing with society or dealing with things like that. Uh, I think so, a lot of people find that to be too uh, divisive. I think so, but everybody, you know, sees the explosions and the ships flying around and fighting as being oh, you know, a, a nice form of escapism. I would say. Hmm, yeah. Talking about the ship, the ship reminds me of the Orville. Beautiful, right? Oh, yes. And later on, I think in about in season three somewhere, they color it. Not totally, but it was with red lights and blue. And, and I was thinking, wow, that is really beautiful in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you make that uh, distinction to Orville because we know Todd, we know how big of a Trekkie Todd McFarlane is. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, McFarlane is, right? Mm -hmm. And that being said, I know for a fact he would have watched Andromeda. He would have watched oh, yeah. Final you, you know what I mean? So I'm pretty sure Seth was like, ooh, that ship, you know, I can't do something, you know, uh, that would look too much like a Federation starship because you know, copyright and all that, but I'm pretty sure I could mess with the Andromeda ship design and, you know, make it just as, like, sleek. Mm. You know, it was very, um, it was very ergonomic, very uh, flowing. Yeah, they way. look very similar. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I love the ship design. I love the ship design, yeah, and, um, well, Let's talk first about, and, I, and this is the first thing I told you uh, when we spoke uh, of doing this episode. Mm -hmm. The Captain Dylan Hunt is, mm -hmm. of course, for a lot of people, Hercules. Hercules! And is it so weird to see him as a science fiction captain? Uh -huh. But he fights exactly the same as yes! Hercules. Yes! Oh my god, yes. You know, it was so funny. I, I, in some of the episodes too, I was saying, okay, um, Tear, the Nisian, um, could be in this way also Hercules. But yeah, it's so weird to see him. Yeah, in, a, in, in, in that role as captain, and not even a, as captain, but it's like, okay, he is this high-function man from the common world, and mm. he 
uh, he does this and he has a ship of yeah mercenary people who has their own and pirates of course because Becca was the first real pirate he encountered mm-hmm. and but what I really love about that crew is they are so different but also like a crew and you say that very much also in um, Star Trek. Yep. Especially Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your thought when you saw him as a captain? You know, I think that for the first few episodes I had to get up because I was a really, really, really big um, Hercules and Xena fan. Mm. Like, I was, I was a big fan of them, right? So it took me a few episodes to see um, Kevin Sorbo as Captain Dylan Hunt. Yeah. It, took, it took a few episodes, but I think he played the role well. Yes. He brought uh, charisma to the part. He When it was time to be serious, he brought that. He brought comedy to the part. You know, um, he was a very versatile uh, actor in that part, just like mm-hmm. he was in Hercules. Yeah. Um, do you, um, if you are looking to the aliens in this series, I notice <laughs> it's so similar to Star Trek and they even mm. use the Zindi and, uh, the Margok looks also very similar. And there mm. was just a lot of species that were similar to the aliens in Star Trek. Well, you know, it's only so far the human imagination of one person can go. You know mm. what I mean? So if you think of all the aliens that Gene Roddenberry and, you know, his writers had to come up with just in that universe alone. And then to think about all of the other stories that he's written to try to be different from those aliens. And then to sit down and try to write a new world in Andromeda, you know, it's going to have some overlaps, I would think. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But yeah, that was definite. Um, there was definite correlations and similarities between, you know, the aliens, some of the aliens in Andromeda, some of the cultures, especially, and even stories that it wasn't Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. And, uh, talking about so familiar aliens, uh, there are, and, and that's what I, uh, I had to think that, think about that. There are a lot of well-known actors, but also not what well-known actors in Andromeda. The, the funny part was, um, uh, a few days ago, I was watching a whole set of episodes uh, together with my husband. And mm. we saw, of course, um, a lot of famous people in it. And he said that he was constantly on Google or IMDb to, to check where the actor had played in. Mm. What was really uh, funny because, uh, yeah, that's how we know them, of course. Uh, but do you think it this has it? It brought me the feeling of what I saw in the Orville. You know that person okay. very well, or in a similar mm. sci-fi movie or film of a series, mm-hmm. and then he does this like a. Uh, some kind of a low budget, uh, yeah, different kind of a 
science fiction series, but also not. So, you know, that's another way that I know Seth um, was really into Star Trek because if you look at the, okay, Andromeda, right? Andromeda has so many actors, you know, famous people who would become famous and stuff like that, but at the time were famous, but from other shows, notably uh, Star Trek and, and Stargate. Mm. A lot of those actors appears yeah. in Andromeda. Hmm? Yeah. Do you think that uh, had helped the series to get lifted? Oh, of course, because as soon as I seen Tilk, okay, spoilers, you know how I am with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way, man, Tilk, oh, snap, they got Daniel Jackson. Oh, look, look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was all right with that. Yes, yes. Because, you know, it was exciting. You know, you'd be like, okay, um, especially during the, t okay, during the time that I watched Andromeda, um, it was airing on TV on the Safa, on the Safa channel, right? Mm. And... So they had commercials and everything, and at the end of the um, at the end of the episode, they show a preview of what's going to be coming up the next week, right? Yeah. So, you know, in the preview, you'll see somebody who you'd be like, "No way, they're going to be having this person," you know, in the episode. And you know, so of course you be you know you're even more ecstatic not only for the story, but how this person from a, that you love from another show will fit into you know this story that's forming you know a place in your heart now, you know. So it was, it was always pretty cool. Mm, yeah. Um, I must say, for that time, the special effects were <laughs> very. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a nineteen. When Andromeda came out, what two thousand? Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now we're feeling old. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you didn't make me feel real old. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, man, over twenty years ago, wow. Yeah. And I'm sitting up here talking about some. Yeah, I've been. I was watching it on TV. Now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And now we have streaming uh, services. <laughs> hey, don't don't start with me. Don't start. I'm old. I admit it. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let me see. Um. Well. The whole Andromeda uh, reminds me of a mix of Star Trek Babylon 5 uh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, how do you experience that? You know, I can see, I can see how um, you could make that comparison, um, especially in um, like the first season. Mm. Uh, I think after the first season, it took on a whole, I think, entity of its own. I think it took on a whole identity, you know, of mm. its own. I think, by yeah. its, but in first season definitely had very strong ties to those shows. You yeah. Know? I, I, I definitely could see that. Talking about string, uh, things that changed in the whole series, um, mm. have you noticed that? In every season, how they change the appearance of the crew. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. And <laughs> like in after, in, in the third season, 
you see that the series becoming darker and darker and they becoming also like uh, more as a crow I think and uh, because it reminds me again at Star Trek TNG and TNG started more in the characters and more in uh, floating in kind of a storyline uh, after in the third season so it reminds me of that a lot and okay. but do you think that it's um the yeah the whole series that they can you see that it's the first two seasons it was like okay we feeling the waters what the public is uh, having and um after that they write better and it, and like you said after the, in the third season there was a lot of um more military more battles etc etc mm. see okay i describe it okay see it was an interesting time when andromeda came out especially mm. here right mm. because it was the year 2000 and in the united states it was some very interesting things that happened that particular year right mm. so you know with the world trade centers all that kind of stuff now um so the optimism you know that a lot of people was having you know they wasn't really drawn to the science they was drawn to the like i said the explosions the mm. excitement you know because you know there was a lot of what was taking place there at the time even in uh star trek you know if you think about like especially like season six of star trek the next generation we had like the episodes where troy lost her sister and you know found out she had a sister and lost her sisters you know people getting mine you know assaulted all this kind of stuff you know that was around that same time you know even voyager started with scorpion and you know that whole conflict mm. you know there um d space nine kicked off into the whole dominion war you know um you know there was always hints of it early on d space nine but you know two three years later is when it really you know hit the fan as they say mm. so a lot of the shows you know in the united states was geared around you know was starting to gear around towards that but you know that that's that's the thing of the uh, of the uh of the cinema thing you know with with us because if you think about it you know like in a, a lot of uh our movies you know during the you know 60s and 70s had to deal with the vietnam war you know Ham hamburger hill you know all these mm. types of movies you know being taken place so um i think that was, yeah i think it was just you know a sign of the time of you know what was going on coping with it yeah mm -hmm. but the good, good thing about jane roddenberry and you know uh, major roddenberry had a lot you know to do with andromeda being put on tv as well mm. you know a lot of his shows although you know the the theme you know some of the themes may start to get darker or more militaristic the overall aspect of it has always been okay we're going to overcome these things you know how do we get past these things and go back to you know uh you know exploring and you know meeting people and you know mm. doing good and you know and helping people even even in the darkest of times you know in andromeda you know when they was in the darkest of times what they still doing trying to reform the commonwealth you know mm. um, you know not trying to reform the commonwealth because you know they got an enemy yeah it happened later but he was trying to reform the commonwealth because of the good that they can do 
the whole reason he was able to do it was because of the good the ship was running around doing. You know what I mean? So I think I think you know you got to take it you know both aspects of it. I think that um, Captain Dylan Hunt was more like a um, uh, a little light in the darkness, if you if yes. I can say it like that. And I think exactly. that is also what he was uh, represent and uh, what at that at that time what ha everything happens. Um, what I think people needed the the hope and. Mm -hmm um the the whole feeling of staying together and together we're strong andromeda is the ultimate space seven samurai movie i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know we get all these misfits together you know and we end up just doing good and defending the galaxy against this crazy universe killing planet multiple mm. planet thing you know, <laughs> we we trying to we trying to stop this prophecy that Trans talking about. <laughs> you know, we got you know that's what I've always seen it as. And to me, it was more like you you think it's like you you lean more on the side of um, it being more towards uh, the next generation. Me, I lean more towards the side of it being Borgia because mm -hmm. you know, Captain Janeway lost most of her crew, you know, yeah. important people anyway. And yeah. you know, now she got these people who come aboard. And, you know, now we got to make it work. Y'all got different ways of doing things, but we got to, you know, ultimately we're trying to do this Starfleet way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about, um, oh, no, I, uh, Harper, the, the one oh, in boy. engineering. Um, I think he is one of the, the fun notes in the whole crew, but he also reminded me as uh, at uh, Lieutenant Stamets. Yes, and I, Harper, Harper to me, see, okay, Stamets, I can see that, but he reminds me of a like, of a of a dark Kaylee from like. Um... Hello. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Another call, no problem. But he reminds me of a dark like Haley from uh, Firefly. Mm. You know, he's he's a, a true grease monkey. You know, um, he's not the smartest, but when it comes to the ship to, you know, just basically figuring out stuff, you know, mm -hmm. he's, you know, and he, he's a horn dog too. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, can be pretty annoying, but he's also very funny. And he saved the ship so many times. Yeah. You know, Harper, Harper, you know, Harper is like a, He's also like a Rodney, you know, Rodney's all super smart, but as far as mm. the character, you know, he seems real cowardly, but when it's necessary, you know, Rodney steps up to the it. plate. Yeah. Right. You know, Harper seems, you know, he's always running around, always trying to, you know, hide and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, I didn't see episodes where Harper was like, look, man, we just finna, <laughs> we finna do this. <laughs> he didn't even step up to play and did it, you know, pull something out of his, you know, fourth point of contact to save the ship, make something to make mm -hmm. Rami work. You know, he, mm. he did. He, um, if you uh, go talk now a bit about uh, Romy and Andromeda as a computer. Um, yeah. It's, I think this is one of the first, but also, I don't know, I can't 
remember or know a sci-fi series or movie that the computer is uh, two or three persons. That was so unique to that show. And I've seen quite a few shows and I have no recollection of where the battleship has an avatar that goes with the captain. Yes. Or walks around the ship. That was such a unique and, and, and can actually communicate with the ship and be like, hey, man, you think a strange ship. <laughs> mm, mm. And I think that, yeah, was one, yeah. that was one of the special things also from for Andromeda, because there is now not even in Earthfinder conflict uh, mm. that, that, that you have a ship with a computer that is uh, three persons in a way and then like that communicating all over and uh, because one in one th thing it was strange you have a hologram of Andromeda and you got mm. the physical Andromeda that we call Romy of course but mm. There is nowhere in science world that is something having a computer like that or a ship like that. Exactly. Made it so unique. Yeah, that's basically if like on an enterprise, instead of saying computer, you know, it'd be like data. Data is mm. the computer. Her data is walking around and we got a hologram, EMH data. Yeah. <laughs> and they all serve a specific purpose, purpose and can check each other. You know, yeah. it, that, that's, that's awesome. So that we have, awesome. yeah. So we have this Nishians, of course, also on board. And he mm -hmm. is uh, the big stuff, uh, as we call it. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of his character? I must say, I um, he reminds me of uh, someone from um like the vikings or um oh what is that called uh, the house of the dragons ah okay i got you the targaryens i believe yeah okay i got you i can see all right I, I can see that totally with tear and asazi all right let me okay i loved tear and asazi and i hated tear and asazi now, if I'm capable of both of those for a character, that means that character was superbly written. Because the only other person that I could think of in that fits that mold is Garrick from Deep Space Nine. I love Garrick, but <laughs> I <laughs> Garrick. You, you know what I mean? Like that speaks to the 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 complexity that he brought to that particular, you know, he could have just played it like, okay, hey, I'm just a dude that cuts throat, you know, I'm a backstabber and, you know, that's it. But that's not how they wrote him. You know, mm. in some episodes, you know, uh, like for instance, Becca is in love with him, you know, in the other episodes, she want to kill him. Mm. <laughs> because in one episode, he didn't save the galaxy or some planet or some, you know, group of people or some town and then or the ship and then in another episode he didn't betray everybody because of his son you know like <laughs> or his people you know so I, you know he was such a he was just a cool character to me yeah it's uh, sometimes i would say mental because 
um, like Jason Isaac, he could uh, be very mean mm-hmm. in one moment, and the next moment he is very sweet and sugary. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. so that's what I yes. always said that. But he was always calm, calculated. You know, even when he burst out in rage, he always was really good at trying to pull himself back to mm. being like, oh, okay, hey, listen, um, I'm going to contain this and I'm going to stay on what I really need to do. But, um, yeah, understand you're going to die later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tyr was one of those people. He was, when he lost it, yeah, he lost it. But he was very thoughtful, very controlled, mm. you know. Um, when people ask his way of looking at things was real, just straight to the point, like, Hey, look, um, either these people got to die. We going to die. Look, we, we can't save everybody, you know, mm. <laughs> that's you know it. but when, but when Dylan said, Hey, let's try tear was like, I, right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to invite. Mm. Didn't he also help, um, Harper with his, uh, anxiety for going on adventures? Oh, yes, he did. He was brilliant. <laughs> like I said, man, real direct. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. sometimes you need that. Yeah. I, I, you know, and, and that is maybe, uh, no, it's not a weird comparison what I'm going to do now. It's still something I need to get used to here in England. The people here are always going around and around uh, and not coming to the point. They are too, well, I don't want to say nice, but when I am, I am straightforward, I'm direct because I'm, I'm Dutch. And not only that, but I mean, like, they think it's rude. And if I tell them, no, I am from the Netherlands and I'd rather have you get straight to the point than going around and sugarcoating it because I hate that and you can't get to the point with if somebody is not uh, straight and direct. So I call it beating around a bush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had with Tear as well. He was the one who said when everyone was talking uh, together or uh, that I had to make a decision he was straightforward and he was, he, he, he summoned on the facts, what, what was really going on and to get to that point of, okay, now we can make clear decisions. And whatever clear decision it is though, please understand that the one y'all need to choose is the one that ensures my survival. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I, I, I really can't stress that enough about Tyr Anasazi. Um, he really, really needs to be, he, he, he's a survivor. That's, yeah. that's his whole thing. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna need to survive this. So whatever y'all come up with, if it ain't got nothing to do with me surviving, I'm not going with that plan at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's him. <laughs> that dude is awesome. Yeah. Well, the one character that has really, really had major leaps of changing, I think, is trans. Oh, the mighty trans. Trans Gemini. My favorite person in all of everything. Yep. Just, she, she just my favorite person out of all of everything. I'm a, hands down. Her and Q, favorite people out of everything. <laughs> 
But also, like, <laughs> not only that how her character is developing, but also, like, if you see in the first season, and I also fought in uh, a lot in the second season, she is this happy-go-lucky girl with a mm. lot of colors, and mm. then she changed. And then yep. she changed. I don't want to say, I would almost say, like, Gothic. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I had the feeling that Jean Waterbury was creating her uh, from another character from Star Trek, but more like it's you jump in the deep of a character and she grows so much that she is so mysterious. Oh, look, let me tell you. Okay. Remember how in um, Voyager, remember when Kess first came on the ship, she was all mm. innocent, you know, innocent and cute and, you know, little elf-like, you know, and then as the series went on, she became different. Mm. You know, older Kess was a lot different. Older Kess was trying to destroy everything. Um, right. Now, when we talk about trans, okay, mm. trans trans she came on the same way all elf like you know woodland creature you know innocent and you know seemed like she had well not seemed like she was super mysterious you know all of that stuff right but then you have to think about it you have to be like okay um we need to make her a little older same man because um when we tried that with trans i mean we, we tried that with kess it didn't work so we had to bring in seven and nine yeah we gonna need to make her a little bit older because she seemed way too young and that's not really appealing to the guys of the demographic because when she turned different mm -hmm, she was all right with me <laughs> at first she was like oh she's so cute that's like my little sister later trans i was like oh trans i'll marry you come here let, let's get married <laughs> she yeah i i always like her in the way of she has something um she conducted the sci-fi uh, yeah what you said it's, it's she likes almost like an elf but she's also uh so much more for the whole uh crew that she is so mis mysterious and oh, now, now don't start talking about trans because you know how i am with spoilers you can make spoilers. Hey, you can make spoilers after 20 years. Somebody yeah, have, so. had to watch yeah. it. <laughs> we are loud. <laughs> like, if you ain't seen that drama in over 20 years, man, something wrong. It ain't no spoilers, trust me. Okay. Trans. Trans is the ultimate, like, Madam Web of Andromeda. She. Okay, I've always, I've often wondered, like especially in the early episodes, no matter what situation that they're in, trans always seems happy. Like it's very few things that trans gets like, like serious. And when she's serious, people be like, oh, okay, trans, um, okay. But I used to always wonder that. And the only thing I could think of was like, this, this girl gotta be, she gotta harbor some kind of power that could get her out of anything. And come mm. to find out, she yeah, like any situation she gets in what is she gonna die now she, she she's literally eternal she's a, a son you know <laughs> who she reminds me now of 
A Qatarian. Who? A Qatarian. From Star Trek. Like, like, the cat-like. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yep. I agree with that. Yep. It's powerful. You know, just just going about a day, but just super powerful. I and wise in a way. Well, because, uh, and I didn't, there was this episode, I think that was in season two, that she came from the future, I believe. Yeah. And the uh, current trans had to die or whatever. And she took over. And that was the point, turning point, that trans became this mysterious being. And more, more mysterious. I think she was always mysterious. Yeah, 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 yeah. She does. And um, Tira didn't even mess with her. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk a bit of the other storylines in the way of, for example, politicians. Oh, before we continue, though, I gotta ask you about Becca. What you think about Becca? Becca, um, I don't know. She is like in 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 one moment she is. If I'm going to compare uh, compare this or uh, with Star Trek, in one moment she is this Starfleet person, in the other mm -hmm. moment she is this pirate, mm -hmm. and there is no. You can't uh, get a conclusion on her, who she really is. Like they didn't know what, what uh, where she should fall in the storyline. Uh, more in the way of, she can, it, for example, if, she, if you put her on a mission, mm -hmm. there are two outcomes. First, she could do it the right way, but she also can go to the wrong way like <laughs> in star wars light side dark side <laughs> okay i got you i got you and she had nice moments but there were also things that i was thinking and then again guys that was typical gene roddenberry gene roddenberry put us a mirror in front of us because that's, you see, for example, Becca was coping with um, addiction or with uh, love failure or whatever. It's just so nowadays what we as human uh, had to go through. She was, in that way, she was very human to me. Yeah, and she did have a cool dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah! Played by the great John Delancey. A.K.A. Q freaking... <laughs> well, not dad, uncle. Uncle Sid, yes. <laughs> oh my god and you know the funny part is i just uploaded um a recap of uh deja q episode deja q oh, and awesome. yeah and that is one of my fa uh, one 
of my favorite episodes with Q because Q in that episode is human. He has mm. been kicked out uh, at the Q continuum. And when I saw him, I started to scream. I was saying, no, not Q. <laughs> <laughs> Getting terrorized by guidance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my God. <laughs> It was so funny, and, and we would say it because um, I heard about people saying, yeah, there were a lot of well-known people, celebrities in uh, Andromeda, but then he came on the screen, and my first experience was, okay, damn it, it's kill. <laughs> then he started to talk and re- uh, make his way around the things and i say damn he's still cute yep still cute he's <laughs> still cute so much so that he was that he was so popular they, they was like look man we have to bring you back for several episodes because people love you <laughs> just be cute <laughs> yeah and that's what i also um i don't know if you already um have read it but they have cancelled star trek legacy unfortunately Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the end of Star Trek Picard season three, the very last moment that, uh, well, when Jack was on uh, his new ship, the Enterprise E, and was unpacking, Chill appears. And that was the shocking thing that I was thinking, oh my God, no, the legacy is continuing with Jack, you know. And I was thinking, how much Q can you still use? And that I think we talked about that. Sorry, guys, a bit of a sideway now, but okay. If it is Star Trek or Andromeda or Earth Final Conflict or whatever, one of the sci-fi uh, series and movies, we are always referring to other <laughs> sci-fi. So, mm-hmm. um, um, I was thinking, and we we talked about it. I can't remember in what episode it was but we talked about it that if they want a younger Q they probably ask his son Kieran you know who played also the Q Junior yep in Voyager yeah yeah I don't uh, what are you uh, what are you thinking about that uh, should they make another series with Q in it well of course because they're the Q continuum you know, or are they, and I'm thinking about it now, do they need to make a Q series? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because there would be no conflict. Well, if, if I guess they could, but I think it'll be beyond people. Like, okay, think of how they had to display the, the uh, Q Continuum's Civil War. The only way that they could really display that was people fighting in the, um, you know, old muskets and all that time. But the weapons they use in destroying actual galaxies and stars and all that stuff when they, you know, fighting. Yeah, but wouldn't so, be wouldn't it be not like uh, like more a strategic game? Like if you have two parties of cues, one queue or once again, I'm going to refer it as uh, Star Wars. Uh, you have the rebellion and you have the, well, the 
um, empire and they are conflicted with each other wouldn't it be interesting how to see how they would fight each other with cube powers and how strategic they have to be okay do you remember when um uh when q was chasing that other q that had tried to commit suicide he was chasing them all everywhere mm. okay there was no strategy because they're so powerful, right? You, okay, so I'm going to go down to the subatomic level. I already know where you at because I'm Q. So I'm going to go down to the atomic level. Okay, well, I'm going to become an ornament on the Christmas tree. I already know where you at, man, because I'm Q. No matter where you go, no matter where each of us go or what each of us do, we have a way to counter each other. Unless, because it's also been shown in TNG that if they all get together, they could bring down and kill some Q. So yeah, I'm with you on that. But it'll be pretty beyond what they. I don't know. That they have to do some pretty interesting juggling to be able to display godlike beings just run, doing their daily things in a show. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Be like, okay, well, you come across a world that you want to change some stuff. Snap your fingers, man. You ain't got to do no investigating. You. <laughs> You ain't got to be asking why. You ain't got to go through getting captured and tortured. None of this stuff. No mind swap, body switching. None of that. You just snap your fingers. Moon falling out of orbit. Snap your fingers. Yeah, but okay. we also know that even the Qs have a uh, supervisor. True. So that in that way, it could be very interesting as well. We know how Q is getting watched when he... Uh, uh doing stuff like that so True. um it would be nice to see if you take you and another Q who have to clean up his mess basically <laughs> how and and, and and we have seen we have seen how mighty the female cues are yes it's gonna be an awesome freaking fun episode if we see how a female Q bash in to Q. <laughs> That's gonna be I so. Tell, I tell you what, though, I am looking forward to that section thirteen. Um, I mean section. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I am looking forward to that one. Section thirty-one or whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. With Michelle Yeo, I think yeah. they turned it into a movie. But they say it's a movie, yeah. So I'm just waiting how or what. And um, I must confess, I'm a bit lately back into stars again because they got just uh, Disney Plus. So I'm watching. We, we have uh, last weekend we did a uh, Star Wars uh, movie marathon. We watch all nine movies. So and. Uh, well, we're doing this uh, today with Andromeda, but the next episode is about the Mandalorian. So. How dare you be in a trekkie watching Star Wars? Blasphemy. Okay. <laughs> Don't 
don't you start, mister? <laughs> I, I have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there are a lot of people who are saying that, but it is. And yeah, I have always say, okay, it's bull. You can be a Star Wars fan, but you can be a Star Trek fan. Why not both? You know what my husband are, is going to do. He's still going to do it this year at the Star Trek uh, Destination Star Trek here in Birmingham. The man, and I, I already told him, if you're going to do that, I'll run to the across the room and stay across the room. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not with you then that day. He is planning on putting his first his Star Trek Online uniform on and uh, then his Darth Vader cosplay. And the only you thing... Oh, no, 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 no. And then, then the only thing you see in the first thing is you see only the Star Trek pips. And if Star Trek fans want to kill him, he says, Oh, hey, guys, stop, stop, stop. It's me. And then he will put off his Darth Vader costume and then they see him in Star Trek, uh, in a Star Trek uniform. Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> this, you know why I say that? I won't cross a run, uh, run across the room. I stay out of the way. I'm not belong with him. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. He's not allowed. Uh-uh. No, nope, he's not allowed to do that. No, nope, no. Nope, nope. <laughs> Can't endorse that. No, nope. but he has awesome sense of humor, though. <laughs> so that's why he's a keeper. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Tell him I do not endorse that at all. No. Nope. I don't. I don't. I'm not either. I, I said, I'm a... Uh... I'm all I'm But we gotta talk about our marriage, man. <laughs> yeah, I I told him to. You have no idea what you're putting. What I have to put up with. Oh, jeez. Uh -uh. But okay. So, speaking of um, tear, what did you think of Rade? Rade, as um, as a matter of fact, he was in a, a first episode as uh, Dylan Hunt's first officer. And then when oh yeah 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 um yeah. he reminded me of someone who played both parts in the way of um yeah how do I say this he want to get all the credits in a way Roddy oh yeah I guess early Roddy. You know you came back, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what I think of him. I think, um, you know, him, you know, having to betray everybody, you know, because of that whole thing that got the whole war started. Mm hmm. Bad Roddy. Later Roddy, when he met, when, when they met on that, like, desert penal world or whatever. Nice Roddy. If, if that body, you know, that body that had learned from his mistakes, that, that body yeah. right there. I like that body. That body was cool. So, <laughs> we, um, we have talked a lot about the characters of Andromeda. What do you think overall in, like, the surroundings, what they were, like, in cities, but also in, of course, um, the other planets and... Of course, they had a lot of mission, ground mission, but also, uh, and that's what I want to say. The um, the little fighting missions in space, 
when they had those fighters. It reminded me a lot of Battlestar Galactica and also how they've been launched. Yes. Yep. Uh, yes, I agree with that. They got a lot from Battlestar. You know, also, did you notice that they didn't have phasers? They used rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Real guns. Yeah. Stuff like that. Their shielding was just these like little wing things that look real cool that folded out, you know, to block the, you know, they, mm. they wasn't as advanced as Starfleet, but I still dug um, what they did with the ship. Uh, the space battles were interesting. You know, it had that Battlestar Galactica, old Babylon 5 graphics to it, you know. Yeah. But it was still effective. I still love, yes. they, you know, some of their choices and ships. I was like, wow, that's a nice, that's a nice design. I... Uh, I said that the ship looks like also has very much similar uh, for as uh, in the Orville, but there's also a lot of curves and design as in Sequest. Yes, especially the interior. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And of course they yeah. do that. Of course, a bit of because the space. The whole uh, science fiction in space, normally they take Navy ranks. Mm -hmm. And they do that also with the starting with the chips, I noticed. Yep. They do. Yes, they do. The, um, the, uh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I have not need to actually add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did you think about the um, design of the uh, world ship? Mm, I don't know. It's just um, with all those planets being mm, connected with, the, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. It reminded me a bit of uh, the star bases in in Star Trek. It remind there was a um. You remember that, uh, I think that was Starbase 1, to be honest. It also had those planetary worlds connected. Mm -hmm. And it reminded and, me of that. And the terrifying thing about it was, to, to me, was I was like, okay, so basically you have a solar system that's a ship. And it, at the center of it is a sun. Oh, yeah, by the way. It's not people just all on the top of the planets. No, they didn't burrow out each one of these planets. And it's just all interiors of caves and caverns and stuff, which means it's trillions upon trillions upon things that's coming to try to eat everything in your solar system, including you. Mm. Yeah. That was always terrifying to me. Mm. Yeah. Just, and, oh, yeah. And they being controlled by a super being. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think we have to uh, round it up at the moment because we're almost talking about an hour again. So, um, yeah, we <laughs> um is there something you like to say, uh, still want to say or tell about Andromeda? Well, I highly recommend Andromeda. If you like Gene Roddenberry work, if you like Star Trek, if you like Orville, you know, um, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, you will definitely 
enjoy Andromeda. It's a, you know, it has trippy things, but you know, it has all the elements of a great science fiction show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I'm taking a look at the uh, IMDb rating, um, I'm very shocked that it is this low. It's a 6.6. Well, that is out of 10. Yeah. What what do you rate it? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's way too low. I think that is really low. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's low too. I think that's low too. I think Andromeda deserves a bit higher than that. Yeah. It's not, as, it's not as good as a Star It's not as good or deep, you know, as a Star Trek, but the world is solid. Yeah, exactly. So I was really, uh, I don't want to say shocked, but I was saying, yeah, it deserved better. Yeah, I agree with that. What would you rate it? I don't know, out of 10, I would give it probably a seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I would go there too, yeah. So, like I said, it's a very interesting show, very interesting characters, dynamic characters. The, you know, situation always evolving, unfolding. You know, you get to meet, you know, uh, you know, people from other sci-fi shows. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um. Well, um, in the near future, and that will be soon, I am going to do two Star Trek episodes, and I hope you want to join me in. At least one of them. And that is the crossover episode Star Trek Strange New World with Lower Decks. Mm. What was very brilliant. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yep. And of course, the musical episode. Loved it too. So. Okay, well, nobody say. Loved it. <laughs> um, you want to choose one or are you going to go for two? <laughs> I'll take you. Look, let me tell you, you know, when the, look, if you want to talk about Star Trek two episodes, I'm all for it. If you want to talk about Star Trek one episode and, you know, give somebody a breather from my craziness, hey. No, hey. no, no. I We love to talk with you. you that's why I always say I always, we have the amazing conversations of uh, sci-fi. And, and, you know, that's why and I just put it on today what is really stupid of me but I never think f uh, about it but I made a chat box in uh, on the Facebook group or of as well as uh, Girls Talking Track and Maya Island Talks podcast I made a chat for discussing the current episode that I made okay. and I already uh, have a lot of, well, a lot of comments is a big word, but there are people actually discussing the episode now with me. So, that's good right there. Awesome. yeah, it is. And that's what I wanted to try the whole time. And especially, I know always when I have a, a, uh, episode with you or some of the other people that are regulars of mine it would be listening very well so it's always nice to talk to you or to talk to somebody who is so passionate about sci-fi and yeah but it is true that's why that's why i made those podcasts just to talk about and that's why i had with amanda 
I really could count of her on her to recap every two weeks an episode and then talk about it. And that was always the nice thing about it. So yeah, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind being there for uh, both of them. I, I love both those episodes, like I said. Yeah, okay, good. Then I will, uh, I will uh, put you down, your name down. And it's always uh, nice to uh, to talk and go uh, f- as uh, in our imagination with sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you'll edit and be hell. you be like, okay, look, we talked for three hours about this, okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I don't because it's it's as real as you get if you don't edit it, you know. Sometimes you have to because when my little monster is barking the hell out of it, then I have to edit. <laughs> well, I get a phone call in the middle of the talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's okay. I uh, well, thank you very much indeed for um, talk with me again. It's- always it's been my pleasure and um i will talk to you soon then yes ma'am thank you all right have a good one thank you for listening and join me in two weeks for a new episode of maya Aline's talks the next episode is about the mandalorian you can find the maya Aline talks podcast on spotify anchors google podcast amazon music on the youtube channel or join the Facebook group. I also have two other podcasts called The Dutch Ready Room Podcast and Ghost Talking Trek. The Dutch Ready Room Podcast is a podcast for all the Dutch Trekkies to talk about everything Star Trek. Of course, this will be spoken in my native language, Dutch. You can find The Dutch Ready Room on the Facebook group or the YouTube channel. Ghost Talking Trek is a Trek podcast that I used to do with my good friend Amanda, but since her passing I am doing the podcast alone. So I'm still looking for another track friend who will and have the time to recap with me every two weeks an episode of Star Trek. At the moment I'm recapping season 3 of Star Trek TNG.